Well, today is the final message in the series called Change. And I'm thinking about that, what was it? Sandra, no, it was not Sandra Crouch, it was Tremaine Hawkins, I think, years ago. What a wonderful change has come over me. How many thankful that God changes us sometimes through our circumstances? The title of the message this morning is called Mission Possible. Not Mission Impossible, but Mission Possible. All of this that we have been building toward is for the message that I want to bring to you this morning because we're in an amazing moment. We're, this, this is an epic season for us, epic EPIC, and it is an epoch, E-P-O-C-H. It is a transitional time into a new season, a new age, if you would, for our congregation out of, out of I'm, I'm thinking of when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. He, he had them to drive out all of the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Ammonites. And we've been fighting the termites here at Victory. I'm not trying to be cute. I am so real with what I'm saying. It's crazy. And they're just hanging on right now for us to leave because they're going to raise, R-A-Z-E, they're going to raise this building, take it to the ground, and start fresh. And so I think it will be a blessing for West Memphis as well. This morning, the title of the message is Mission Possible. Our series text we've been using through the whole thing is Hebrews 13, verse 8, which is the famous scripture that we've all heard quoted. Maybe you didn't know the street and address. Hebrews 13, 8 says it this way, Jesus Christ is the, the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you, he doesn't change? He does not change. He is the same God that he was when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. He's the same God that he was when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee. That rhymes. He's the same God. He was, He is, and He shall be. He's the God of our past, the God of our present, and the God of our future. The message text is in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to back up one chapter in verses 26 through 29. Four verses there. The Bible says, When God spoke from Mount Sinai, that's where He gave the law, after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and now they're in the wilderness, and it was at Mount Sinai that God gave the law. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake. Not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Look at your neighbor and say, a whole lot of shaking going on. There's political shaking. There's economic shaking. There's racial shaking. There is issues that we face in the United States of America that are basically coming to fruition that generations past wouldn't deal with. And I believe that God has called us right here in the heart of the nation, right here in the Mid-South, particularly in the Arkansas Delta, to be able to speak to some of those things and to be the opposite of what the rest of the world is, to present an upside-down kingdom, to, to, to present the alternative to just smash and grab to get all you can, but to sacrificially give and to lay our lives down for other people so that the kingdom of God can advance. Amen. It says this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Everybody say unshakable. unshakable. Verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, King James says it cannot be shaken. 
Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. King James says our God is a consuming fire. The one thing I want to give you this morning is a little bit longer than what we've been doing through the series. Normally they've been about one sentence, but, but I, I have to communicate a concept that takes these two extended sentences together to help you realize what I'm wanting to say today. So let's read the one thing. Here we go. The people of God on mission live between the now and the not yet. We look forward and work toward a fully realized kingdom in the future while we acknowledge its spiritual and present reality. What I'm telling you is between the work of Christ that saved us and the work of Christ that ultimately will restore, Philippians says, our vile body to be like his own body. What is the, 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 the epistle of John? This is not in my notes, but I just came across my thinking. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Beloved, he says, how, how amazing it is that we are called the sons of God, the children of God. He says, how, how amazing it is that the love of God that has been given to us and he calls us his children. And he says that it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. So I have a hope. And, and I'm literally living between the now and the not yet. My past has been covered in the blood of Jesus. Right now my present is that I have the awareness that God works all things together for my good because I love Him and I'm the called according to His purpose. Everybody said, that's me too. And so where I am right now and where I'm not yet going to be, it's, it's coming. My spirit has been saved. My, my soul is being saved. My mind is being renewed by the Word of God. And my body in the future shall be saved because I'll see him, I'll look upon him, I will be like him is what the promise of God says. I don't, it doesn't, doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So I'm living between the now and the not yet. How things are, the conditions that my life now are facing, but yet there is this realization that I have the position in Christ that even though my body might be sick in my condition, the position that I have in Christ says I am healed. Amen. So when I start to trust God, I'm living between the now and the not yet. Are you following me? I, I, I may be, my condition in my checkbook may be one of lack. But when I stand on the promise of God, my condition must give in to my position in Christ, which says that, that He will supply all of my needs according to His glory in Christ Jesus. It says that He's already blessed me with every blessing in Christ, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. They're mine right now. My condition shows one thing, my now. My not yet is what I'm looking and I'm striving for. My faith is reaching toward. I'm reaching into the future and grabbing hold of the invisible and bringing it into the visible realm, bringing it into the now. Are you following me? People of God on mission live between the now and the not yet. We look forward and work toward a fully realized kingdom in the future while we acknowledge its spiritual and present reality. I want everybody to know right now that I, though I believe 
that the kingdom of God is a present reality, it will not be fully realized until we see Jesus, until he returns. And how many of you know that's the blessed hope of the church? Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody. I wish you would come right now. That would fix every problem that's in this room and every problem that's in the world. He didn't come back right that second, so guess what? We've got a job to do. We're on a mission. Sunday morning is not the place where you pull the Holy Ghost out of the box and you get the warm fuzzies or you get the feels or whatever you have. You get your groove on in the spirit. But this, this is a huddle to prepare us and train us and teach us so that we can go on mission out there into the world and love the unlovely. And we can bring peace to those that are, that are filled with all kinds of discord and disunity and, and war and hatred and strife. We can be the peacemakers in the middle of that. I mean, you know, you got to have peace in your heart to help bring peace to somebody else. You can't have peace in your heart if you don't have the Prince of Peace in your heart. You know, I realized something just recently, and I've known this, but it's like it's become more real to me through this series. We often pray and ask God to change our circumstances without realizing that sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Sometimes he puts us in those circumstances to answer our previous prayers. When we Remember that moment when you said, oh God, change me? Remember when you prayed that with, with fervor and with faith? And with a sense of expectation, oh God, I give you my heart. Lord, I ask you that you would do something fresh and new in me and change me. Stretch me, oh God, make me all that you've called me to be. Thank you for the destiny of God on my life and for grace that you've given to me. Change me, oh Lord. And guess what? He took you at your word. And so he puts you into some circumstances that will help begin to change your perspective about your life. And and, and change your understanding of how great and how big God is. And he gives you a little problem to help you realize how big your God is. Come on, somebody. Your little problem's not the problem. Your little problem is your big mentality about your little problem. What are you thinking about your problem? That's your problem. Even the devil's not your problem. It's what you think about him that's the problem. Is he, is he hiding behind every bush? And No, I'm going to tell you where he is. He's looking up between your toes. Because the Bible says, God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet. Shortly. That's not even in my notes. That's so good. See, some of y'all jump when you, you separate your, your big toe and the second toe. And, and, and you see the little face of the devil. He looks up and says, boom. And you just jump. But the Bible says he's under your feet. And if you live like he's under your feet, you don't live in a state of terror, trepidation. You, you, you don't have a spirit of timidity, but you've got a spirit of power and love and a sound mind is what the Bible says. Come on, help me this morning. Realize that the circumstance you're in sometimes, not all the time. Here, here this is the qualifying word in that statement. Sometimes God puts us into circumstances to answer our previous prayers when we said God changes. Change me. And too often, instead of putting all of our energy into God, change the mess, oh Lord. Ask Him to fix the mess in you. Amen. And guess what? So often when the mess in me becomes a message and it gets transformed and the test I'm going through becomes a testimony, it's amazing how my circumstances begin to change. At least my perspective changes. And guess what? It's a whole lot easier to deal with it when my perspective becomes His. Four things this morning very quickly. Number one. Repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is not a four-letter word in the kingdom of God. Repentance, so often you think of the, the street preacher, and I don't want to be offensive. I don't think that method works. I don't think shouting at cars going past 
is going to get anybody into the kingdom of God. I think there was a day, maybe three generations back, that there, the, effective, the, the effectiveness of that was at a greater place. I think that we need to be a witness. And it's not just something we live, but it's something we speak. I believe, therefore I have spoken. Somebody say amen. amen. And I believe that you need to exercise the opportunity to open your mouth and be a witness to the Lord and for the Lord uh, among your neighbors and the people that you work with and your network, your circles, your fellowship, your friends, your friends and your enemies. You know, the, the thing that so often gets missed in the New Testament, teaching of the New Testament, especially sometimes in white evangelical churches, is that we forget to preach the part that says Jesus said, pray for and love your enemies. Don't no, nobody in the room want to do that. Let's just get real. How many of you know it takes the grace of God to pray for and to love your enemies? Jesus said, you know what? So would you pray for the people that you like? Everybody, even sinners do that. But you know what? You're called to something higher. You're prayed to love. You're, you are called to love those who don't love you and act unlovely to you. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good already. Repentance. We have to change our not only our behavior, but change our thinking. And so often in the Bible Belt South, this has become a religiously packed word. It's got a bunch of churchy baggage that comes with repentance. And we think about a Sunday night service where it's a hellfire and brimstone, turn or burn service. And we think about, I've got to go down to the altar and squall and bawl and, 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 and repent for what I did Saturday night. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. So many folk I, in the Pentecostal church that I grew up in, there, there were folk that were doing on stuff on Saturday night and then been grieving over it and praying about it Sunday morning. They'd make it till about Tuesday or Wednesday through the week before they broke down in some way or another, and then their 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 their, their spiritual tank is running on empty, and, and, and just just eking an existence out. How many of you know that's not how God intended us to walk with Him? I just want to tell you this morning that whatever you're struggling with, God wants to give you complete and total victory over it. He wants that to be under your feet. He wants that to be a notch on your belt that you've overcome and gotten delivered from that. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, that we don't ever have the presence of some kind of sin or certainly temptation in our lives. But the stronger we grow in our walk with God, we can face that stuff. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can face it down. And even if we slip and fall, the Bible says you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's standing before the court of heaven. He will represent you. And you just very simply say, I confess my sin. Father, forgive me. And he says he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is what 1 John 1, 9. He'll forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Repentance is not a bad word. Metanoia is the Greek word, and it means change your mind. Look at that and say, you've got to change your mind. Now, it has an ongoing implication because it literally means change your behavior. But... You can't change your behavior until you get your mind changed about that behavior. Yeah, right. Belief comes before behavior. Behavior follows belief. Belief is the engine on the train. Behavior is the caboose that is being pulled behind it. And so when I truly understand that repentance is a blessing from God. It isn't always about giving up something, but it's about changing my perspective, looking at my circumstances through a different set of eyes, letting God give me some wisdom so that I see things from a different perspective. Re repentance is the password of the kingdom of God. It's not only the password when you first come in, but it's the continuous password as you let Jesus be more and more Lord of your whole life. 
you change your mind about it because you, you, you go to the word and see what the word says and you, you acknowledge it and give it first place and then you give it final authority. No matter what all the other earthly philosophers and sages and experts say, you look to the word and you see what the word says. And look at this. It says in Mark chapter 1 uh, verse 14, 15, it says, now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Now, we spent, I think, 46 messages. It was nearly a year on the gospel of Mark several years ago. And we talked about the importance of this word gospel, which very simply means the good news of something. And the good news is that it's not just Jesus died for your sins. Some people preach a reductionist gospel where they slim this thing down to nothing but bone. And, and there's no muscle, there, there are no organs that are working, there's no skin on this thing. When they, when they reduce it down to this reductionistic idea of Jesus came to die for your sins so you could go to heaven. That's a tiny portion of this vast understanding of what the gospel of God is. The gospel basically is... And he's, he's declaring, Israel, everything you've been longing for, for these multiplied thousands of years, these millennia that you've longed for, the Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, He is here now. That's the gospel. The King that you've been longing for has just showed up on the scene. And guess what? Whether you acknowledge His kingship or not, He's already the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So He's preaching the gospel of God saying, look, the time is fulfilled. Everything you've been looking forward to, this is it. But I, I'm thinking of that, what is that R&B song? This is it. Da, 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 whatever, it didn't come to me. The words there just went. If you guys knew the parade that I, I wrestled down up here while I'm preaching, everybody say, this is it. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey guys, everything you've been waiting for, it's here. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your reach. It is near. It is accessible. You can reach out and take hold of it. It is at hand. He says, repent and believe the gospel. Change your mind. Quit putting it out there in the future somewhere. You're going to have to get a different idea about it because you've had so many years, centuries upon centuries, that have become millennia, that it's always out there some, somewhere. But Jesus says the time is fulfilled. This is it. Change your thinking. Metanoia. Change your mind. This is the good news. The king is here. The kingdom of God is now available to you. Repent. Change your thinking. Change your mind about the kingdom. It's not just for one of these days. You know, some folk take, can't take no for an answer, but you know what a procrastinator is? Somebody who can't take now for an answer. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, you need to take now for the answer. He is right now. He is the ever-present God. He is, our God is a present help in time of trouble, Psalm 46. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea. Our God is a helper, hallelujah. People of God on mission live between the now and the not yet. We look forward to and work toward a fully realized kingdom in the future while we acknowledge its spiritual and present reality. Point number two. We, we begin this in repentance. We have to change our mind. We need to change our mind about our lives. We need to change our mind. We need to repent about what we think about our struggle. 
The circumstances that we're spending so much energy praying and saying, God, change. God put us in, put us in those so He could change us. And so when I get that, that's just been a repentance moment. It's just been a metanoia moment. I've just changed my thinking about this. It's not just people being mean to me. God is making me stronger. I'm going into the gym and I'm lifting and pushing resistance and weights that are, that are growing spiritual muscles inside of me. And, and it's giving me a new perspective. When I repent of, oh, I'm just so pitiful and I'm a victim and I get rid of that victim mentality. All you got to do is change from a victim to a victor mentality and you can begin to live differently. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Second point is reconciliation. Reconciliation. Our message in our ministry, this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is one of our favorite verses around here. This says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Some of you might feel like you're at the end of your rope. But if you can take the step of faith and reach out and, and touch the Lord, reach out and by faith, let Him be Lord of your life. Ask Him to be Savior of your soul to be Lord of your life. What you see as an ending, God sees as a beginning, a new beginning. Something that can transform, something that can change. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And He says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, say it with me, task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Let me just say this to you right now. Those of you, you, you believers in this room, you're, you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. God does not have a record that He's going to whoop out on the day of judgment and going to hold it up against you because you are now in Christ and the Bible says He is not counting your sins against you. Come on somebody, that's good news. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them and He gave us this wonderful, say it, message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is what I want you to see this morning. We have been given the message, King James says, the word of reconciliation. And we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The one is in word, the other one is in deed. We speak one, we do another. It is an action. And so we are called to talk about reconciliation. That seems like a, a big hundred dollar word. Probably the only other time that you might be familiar with it is, is when you might reconcile your bank statement. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I think it would probably be about less than a half a dozen that even reconcile your bank statement. It's so easy now. I don't, I don't reconcile my bank statement anymore. I've got an app on my phone that I can track it every day. Yeah. I can track it multiple times a day and, 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 and look up exactly what's going on in my bank account. So it's a constant reconciliation. When a check hits, then I know, okay, I can click check that one off in my checkbook or, or on keeping up with your debit card because... I want to tell you, the new generation doesn't even write checks anymore. Right. Abby and Drew, 
Drew's 30 years old. I don't think he's written one check in his whole life. Everything is with a card and it's online. And so keeping up with it on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis is critical. But back when everything was in by paper in Aunt Six, back when you would cut, you know, get your bank statement and you actually had the copy of the check that got mailed to New York and then somehow makes its way back to First National Bank on Broadway in West Memphis and gets put into an envelope and then sent to my house at 300 South Center when I was in college and had a bank account I was writing checks and the, the check that I sent to Philadelphia would somehow make its way all the way back. It would clear the bank and then it would come back and then I would have that check and I would get out my bank statement and I would, would, would uh, X out all of the, the checks that were on there and add in deposits that I'd made since then and, and, and subtract checks that I'd written that are not showing up on the account and by going through that process I'm reconciling my bank account. I'm making sure that what the bank record says agrees with what my record says. Now, I want to tell you, sometimes the bank makes mistakes. And so it's important that you keep up with it and check and see what's going on. A responsible, financial, or financially responsible person will check on that. Because you don't want to just trust it to somebody that, because sometimes things get entered wrong. Numbers get interposed or transposed or whatever the word is. And, and $250 becomes $520. And, and that can set you back if you're running a little bit close. How I many know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so it's important to reconcile. The word reconcile, katalasso, means to adjust for the difference. You've got to look and see what the difference is. And you, you've got to make sure that the difference the bank says agrees with the difference in what you say. And when you reconcile, you bring it into unity. You bring things that were otherwise separated and opposed to each other. All of a sudden, sudden they start saying the exact same thing. And unity comes on the scene when reconciliation takes place. So we're not just talking about banks and numbers and checks. We're talking about the God of the universe was in Christ adjusting for the difference between his holiness and my sinfulness. And he saw the vast difference between the two. And the difference was the blood of Jesus Christ that would be shed. And now, thank God, I'm not just in a place of being able to enjoy the fact that God has adjusted the difference in my life. And matter of fact, there's a second definition. After you adjust the difference, the second definition kicks in. It's restored to favor. How many of you know you've been restored to favor? God's not mad at anybody in this room. I want you to hear that. You've been restored to favor. Every those, especially those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But now, because I've been changed, I'm a new creation. The old is gone. A new life has begun. I'm an ambassador. I've been given the task of reconciling other people to God. This is what we're called to do as a church on mission in the Delta. This isn't just about handing a tract and saying Jesus loves you. This is about sitting down with someone that is different than I am, that looks different than me, that, that, it, that experiences life through a different set of eyes than I do. One of the greatest issues that we need to about, be about reconciling in the Delta is racial reconciliation. Now, I just want to tell you, the next three minutes, I'm going to say something that makes everybody in one way or another uncomfortable. So just look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Here it comes. Listen. We live in a society that, is, that, that has given me, as a white man, privilege that my African-American brothers and sisters 
don't always enjoy. Now, I can feel ruffling feathers already in the room right now. There was a black man this week who got shot by a policeman, and he was a security guard. He was saving people. Had security on him, on his cap. And the people in the, in the, the facility hollered to the police going, he's a security guard, don't shoot him. But they saw a black man with a gun, and they killed him. It's quiet in this room. I have policemen in this church, and I love you. I, I have state troopers. We have highway patrolmen. We have folks who work for the sheriff's department. I love you, and let me just tell you, I'll be the first to stand at the line and say, Blue Lives Matter. We, we need you, but we need good men and good women who are not prejudiced and don't immediately kick into gear and, 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 and move into an arena of brutality. Are y'all okay this morning? Yeah. And, 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 and let me just say this. That I, I, I Recently, I, I, I was sitting with a group of men, and, and there was a, just, just a sharp young African-American who came and was with us. Mostly it was, you know, it was a mixture. He was a couple of Latinos. You can figure out who that was. And, and <laughs> most of us white guys, you know. And we're sitting around the fire. And somebody spoke up and said, I don't want anything to do with the NFL. And I just looked at him and go, don't say it. Because, you know, there's this, there's this constant tension and press because of white folks who say, you know, we need to honor the flag and honor our veterans. But you don't realize what black folks are trying to do to just stand up and say, look, you people are living like black lives don't matter. I didn't get an amen and I should have. And, and I, I, have, I have pulled the young black men aside in this church, two beautiful young men that Shay, her son's over here. And I've said, boys, I'm praying for you. If you ever get pulled over, just, just be respectful. Do it all you can. Because so quick. Y'all, see, when you put a face to it and you put a name and you look at handsome young Benjamin over there, it becomes, a, it feels different. And there's so much prejudice and there's so much crap in the, in the delta that is just still, that's just still here. And I'm telling you, we're not going to take that junk into the kingdom of God. And until you're willing to come down off of your high horse. Now let me turn this around. This can, they're black folk that are prejudiced and just hate every white person too. I, I appreciate your bravery. I'm telling you, we, we got to get real and realize that everybody's got some baggage we need to get shut. We need to lay it down. And, and, and just because... Just because one black person did you wrong, white brother, sister, you can't hate the whole race. Just because white folk have done you wrong, my African-American brothers and sisters, you can't hate, hate the whole white race. We've got to be reconcilers. We've got to adjust for the difference. We've got to restore some people to favor. We've got to be willing to sit down and say, what is it like? What is life like for you? Tell me. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm white. I don't understand it. Talk to me and let me know what you're struggling with because I love you. I love your spirit. I love you as a person. And then all of a sudden when you just shut your mouth for a little while and you let somebody else talk and you listen and you listen and you see the pain in their eyes and you see the fear in the black mama's heart worrying about her son. 
I'm, I, I could lose, I could, I could lose two or three families this morning just because I'm trying so hard to keep it real. Please, please hear my heart. I love everybody in this room, but we've got to be reconciled. We got to stand between the two. And look. There's some, there's some low-down, no-good crackers, and there's some low-down, no-good, and I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm talking about? They're bad folks on both sides. Yeah, that's right. Help us, Lord. We need to be reconcilers. We have got to reach to people that have been bruised and hurt and broken, and we've got to see them on level ground that I realize because of the color of my skin, I'm not any better or any worse than anybody else in this room, and neither are you, because you are all children of God in the face and the eyes of God. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? We are called to speak words of reconciliation. That means we bring peace. We are peacemakers. That means if you, even if you despise Colin Kaepernick, Please don't shoot your mouth off around black folk. Because he's, he's making a statement. He, he, he's saying something important. Maybe you don't like the way he's doing it. There was a whole lot of folk didn't like the way Dr. Martin Luther King did things either. But he's still brought about some good change to the United States of America. Either we're going to be people who believe that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. It means that no matter the color of your skin, everybody has got that same chance in this nation. People of God on mission live between the now and the not yet. We look forward and work toward a fully realized kingdom in the future while we acknowledge its spiritual and present reality. Quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm late. Point number three. Rebuild and restore. This is the pattern of the word. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. And read it. And what? And restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will say it. Rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as the, say it, rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Isaiah 61.4 gives us the same concept again. He says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing. I love that. It's all these rewords, repent, reconcile, restore, rebuild, repair, revive. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. This nation which once could be called a Christian nation, is so dramatically divided right now. There's a spirit that's been set loose in our nation for the past century. Arkansas has the highest divorce rate of any state in the nation. And Crittenden County has the highest rate in the state of Arkansas. This is a statistic that's, that's well known. Maybe you didn't know it, but you know it now. Hear this. Those of you that are sitting there this morning and you've got a marriage behind you under one of the belt, I haven't come with a bag of rocks. I have no judgment. But what if where you are right now, when the trouble begins, that you could see a God who was big enough and a gospel that was strong enough to reconcile and bring peace and rebuild and restore? I just want to say to you that if we're going to be rebuilders of families and restorers of homes, 
then we need to let God penetrate the hardness of our hearts. And we need to not just be putting on a, a cassette tape, praise the Lord, smile on Sunday morning. How you doing? I'm blessed. Glory to God. Filing for divorce this week, but I'm blessed. Glory to God. How I many you know that's not real? Now, you know, folk, I, I, every situation has its own merit. Every situation is different. Again, hear me this morning. I, I, I got frisked at the door. I don't have a bag of rocks. I don't have any weapons. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. But right now, hear that, that God doesn't like. As a matter of fact, the scripture says this one thing God hates. God hates covenant breaking. And, and, and what if the circumstances you're facing, there was one that you could change your perspective and you could begin to look to God to rebuild and restore what has been stolen from you. And things that have a difference. If God could come in and adjust for your difference, if he could katalasso, he could reconcile the two of you. Now, if we're going to do that, you've got to realize that there's a very real enemy out there that when you are involved in the process of restoring and rebuilding other families and homes, the enemy's going to attack your house. You need to, everybody say, get ready. God has called us to be rebuilders, to be restorers, to be repairers, to be revivers. I can't do it, but the Holy Spirit can do it through me and through you. We're called to speak to the problems. And speaking to the problems doesn't mean wagging a finger of judgment or becoming pharisaical in somebody's face. It means getting down underneath them and washing the feet of their struggle. We're to be the repairers of the breach. The people of God on mission live between the now and the not yet. We look forward to and work toward a fully realized kingdom in the future while we acknowledge its spiritual and present reality. Last point and I'm finished this morning. Have you got anything out of this? I want you to see this. This is how God works. The last point is renewal, the power of the Spirit. We've talked about the need for repentance, the password of the kingdom. If I can just change my perspective, my mind, then God says, I'll bring your behavior right along to follow. The, the, the belief is the engine. The behavior is the, is, the, is the trolley on the end of the train. And I can begin to put my trust in God and I can start to see him transform me the, by the renewing of my mind. And, and, and now I've not just been personally reconciled to God, but I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. I've been given the task of reconciling others to adjust for the difference between their lives and the goodness that God wants for them. To tell them the gospel is available. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's within your reach. Take hold of it. It's a grace gift. You receive it by faith. I'm to be a restorer and a rebuilder. That's the pattern of the word. And finally this morning, the renewal is the power of the spirit. Look at Revelation chapter 21. This is the end of the book. We're dwelling in what would be called the beatific vision. All things have been changed and transformed. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. It's a whole different kind of existence. The curse has been lifted. You can work now and not by the sweat of your brow. There are no weeds sprouting in your garden. There are no nations beating their plowshares into swords and fighting battles anymore. The Prince of Peace has fully come and the kingdom of God is here. And we're living in the blessing of that. It's what we're looking forward to. That's the not yet that we long for. Look at these two verses. Revelation 21 verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, read it with me. Behold, I am making all things new. 
Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. King James says these are faithful and true. I'm making all things new. These words are faithful and true. Now, for a long time, when I was growing up, the church that I was a part of was kind of really in the whole Jesus is coming back any minute and the Antichrist is out there looming on the edge. And this was the 70s. And it was basically, you know, God's going to burn the whole place up. It's all going to be, you know, he'll, he'll start fresh and just remake the whole thing. And you know, that's not what the Bible says. Look at it. It doesn't say I'm making all new things. Y'all see that? What does it say? I'm making all. That means all your jacked up mess that you're sitting in here in this morning in this room. God's not saying I'm going to walk you upside your head and blow you away and make a whole new group of people. But I'm going to take everything in your life, the stuff you struggle with and the things you hide, the stuff you don't want anybody else to know about. I'm going to take that and I'm going to make all of those bad things become new and fresh and something that is no longer destructive or, or death dealing, but it's going to become life giving. Because I'm not making all new things, the Lord said. I'm making all things new. And it's a totally different way of looking at your world and your life and your circumstances and the people around you. God looks at the people in your life that you feel like are stirring up all the trouble. He sees somebody else that just needs to be reconciled to a father who loves them. And I can draw lines in the sand and I can divide people into groups based on skin color and I can vilify a group because of everything they've been through or how they're living now or whatever. Or I can back up and let the Lord enlarge my thinking and He can show me that he was in Christ reconciling this whole world to himself. God was adjusting for the difference. And the difference hung between heaven and earth on a cross. And he shed his blood and he died and he said, I love you this much. And he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. The debt is paid in full. The difference between heaven's bank records and your NSF in sin has now been adjusted. God's just made a deposit into your account. And you're not insufficient funds anymore. Are you hearing me this morning? Your mess, your junk. Now it's wonderful when I can hear that about myself. But now i got to get up out of here and realize everybody I look at in the eye this week, God has the same vision for and the same heart for. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I'd like you to bow your heads with me for this.